A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford. Mr. Benroy Turner not able to join us this week, but hopefully he's doing very well. Anyway, it's worth talking about Horizon Forbidden West because me and you, Mr. JB, have finished the game. All sorts of thoughts. And we were going to wait. We weren't going to do a spoiler discussion on this game because, you know, it's the first release week. It's only been out for a few days um, at this point in recording. But at the same time, Elden Ring's on its way here. Elden this Ring is, is storming down the road. So you've got to get things done. Totally. We didn't, we didn't we, we, like you said, we thought about waiting and we were like no Elden Ring is going to be such a big deal it is like we can't push this we might never get to do it so now now it's fresh in my brain Scott Telford because I finished it literally last night I got you the did. platinum trophy last night uh, and I have lots of thoughts about the yes. story specifically because we've not even though we've done like two essentially <laughs> essentially two podcasts on Horizon we've not talked about the story at all no. so this is full spoilers if you haven't played it yet or if you just want to know what's going on uh, <laughs> yeah this is full spoilers yes full Megalovania size spoilers absolutely everything will be covered um, because it's weird, right? My overall thoughts are that this game is very thin on the ground. If you talk about narrative beats, if you literally laid out on paper what happens beat to beat to beat, it's very little there. And I was quite disappointed by it. It's the reason that I gave it four stars, along the fact that, alongside the fact that I think it is just more of the same overall. Yeah. Separate discussion, potentially. But on the story front, because Zero Dawn was so strong, I said this on Monday's podcast when we were doing the, the wind-up stuff, I thought that they had such a great mystery embedded in Horizon, like about, you know, what's the, what happened in the old world, how much does that stuff affect the, uh, the present day, how do we get here, the robot dinosaurs, all the AIs, everything else, and then obviously they answered all those questions at the end of Zero Dawn. The only thing that was left was, where did that far-off signal come from that activated the Hades AI and set all the terraforming stuff off um, in the first game? And so that was all they had to run with in this. But in, in Forbidden West, they just kind of go, well, we'll just have you do it all over again. The world needs saving, and we. It, I just at no point did it feel like it justified itself narratively, but I don't yeah. know if you agree with that. I know what you mean. I, before I jump into it properly, mm-hmm. I just kind of want to sum up in case anyone hasn't listened to the previous yes. podcast and are just jumping into this. I really like it. I think it's I'm similar to you. I think it's a really solid four star. I, th- I still give it four star. Yeah, almost breaks into four and a half. I think it's incredibly recommendable. I think you definitely, if you love, you know, this type of game, if you love, you know, P- PlayStation's um, exclusives, you should definitely give it a try for yourself. But I am far more critical when it comes to the writing and when it comes to the story. And mm. it's interesting what you said there. You know, obviously there was a tease at the end of Zero Dawn of how they could continue it. But I think it's very telling that with Silence's character in particular, like they almost don't know what to do with him in this no. game. He's such featured, a waste of Lance Reddick. Totally, yeah. He's totally he's like featured heavily in the first you know couple of hours of the game, mm-hmm. but then quite literally disappears from the plot. And the way that they wrap <laughs> up his story. It's quite satisfying, but he's almost written out and he comes in at the end in such a strange way that it makes me wonder if they kind of took the 
cliffhanger of Zero Dawn mm-hmm. and then realized maybe we wrote ourselves into a corner with that. Maybe we well, should do something different. It's really weird because the overall crux of, of Forbidden West is that the likes of Tilda... Like, basically, the, the idea is that you could find... Uh, random documents in Zero Dawn that told you about a ship called the Odyssey that left um, you know, on some sort of voyage to survive the apocalypse uh, a thousand years ago or whatever. And that was kind of it. It was just this thing that was talked about in, in amongst the fandom as, you know, I wonder what, like, it, it feels like they would do more with that. That is exactly what they've done. And that doesn't involve silence at all, really. Um, but the crux of Forbidden West is that all of these aliens um, who are actually people, who are the people from the Odyssey that left a thousand years ago, they found out the key to not aging. For me, they barely go into that. You just have to accept it. Yeah. And uh, you just have to accept that they've been the same group of people for a thousand years and um, that they built a society, they got sick of it, human, um, you know, different human ways of being happened and everything went sideways. Um, and then you later find out that it was because of this AI consciousness thing that they developed called Nemesis, um, which is an amalgamation of all their various, um, you know, human wills combined, yeah. all their prejudices, all their anger, everything, and that thing corrupted and destroyed the planet, and that's what they're fleeing from. Yes. Um, and they sent the signal in Zero Dawn's timeline, they sent the signal to activate Hades because they want to stop off on Earth and attempt to terraform it, but you later find out that they're only just stopping by to go somewhere else, which yes. threw me off. So, I guess, to explain to anyone who may need a quick clarifier <laughs> of what happened at the end of this game, the big twist, like you said, is that the Farzine of people, you know, accidentally created this thing called the Nemesis, which, like you said, you mm. know, it's an amalgam of their digital consciousness, and that digital consciousness is pissed off and essentially wants <laughs> to eradicate the va- far. Because it's called Nemesis, probably. Yeah, trying I mean, to get by. Like if if you call your like big machine something as evil as Nemesis, what yeah. do you expect? Like you're asking for trouble. It's happened calling before. Calling it the Nemesis yeah. system. Like, Umbrella got there. Now I know, then. but at least they wanted him to be evil. They well, knew what they true. were getting, naming him that. True. But yeah, they've made this big thing. Uh, it's coming now after the far far zenith people who had to flee their own country, country uh, <laughs> planet and have come to Earth, like you said, is a stopgap. But, like, that, to me, robs the game of, like, an actual villain because you don't have Silence as a real villain because, spoilers... Oh, I'm not saying that. But eventually it's revealed that he's actually, you know, going to help Aloy and eventually he Which joins the team. Which I do love team. that scene. Me too. Yeah. But he joins the team at the end. Then you have the far Zenith people who are absent for a lot of the game mm. and, like you said, are kind of one-dimensional in a lot of ways because they only get a few scenes they're and they're terrible. just they're just murderous. Yeah. Uh, but then at the end they try to play the card of they're not just murderous, they're just fleeing and they're using this as a stopgap. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you don't have the nemesis because that's int- introduced in literally the last scene. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I felt like I was lacking something to focus my attention on. Like, Mm -hmm. there was no core villain, interesting villain, that brought the whole thing together. And that was a major disappointment Mm. for me. Well, because, I mean, ultimately, in that regard, they don't do anything with the villain that is supposedly set up, which is the Blight. Like, that's what it was in all the trailers. Yeah. was the idea that everything that you did in the first game, all the different ways that you futzed around with the AIs and you tried to save the world and whatever, that something had gone wrong with that and the process wasn't able to kick in properly and the world itself wasn't able to, re- to rebuild, which is why this thing called the Blight now exists. Now, there's only six months in between Zero Dawn and Forbidden West, but it's enough for this Blight stuff to kick in. And so that's what your main drive is. Go save the world, which is the most nebulous thing you can do in a video game. And that didn't do anything for me. No. Um, and just to, and plus, I don't think they do enough with the state of the world, or they don't restrict parts of the environment because of the blight. They don't. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't feel like it does. I fully agree with that. If there's one major missed opportunity for me in the world design and even the gameplay, mm. it is not utilizing what the blight is doing and mm. how the world is, you know, on the verge of collapse, on the verge of an yeah. apocalypse. You know, you hear a lot of people talking about storms, but mm. you only ever see the aftermath of them. You never yeah. like caught in something that is changing the landscape. And when you know you move further 
further west into Tanakh territory at one point, and you kind of see, at least what I did when I entered there, like a storm was kind of circling in the sky, yeah. and things got all red and stuff, and I was like, this is awesome. They're going to do something with this. I'm going to go further into this territory, and mm. the further west I'm going to get, the more, you know, destroyed and apocalyptic things we're going to get, mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily the case. A lot of that stuff kind of happens off screen, or you kind of stumble across small missions of someone wanting to, you know, unpollute their rivers from being yeah. poisoned and what have you. But yeah, for me, it, it's such a cool concept and they just didn't do enough with it tangibly. I don't think they do enough with anything. Like I think it's so it's so weird. Every time I've talked about this game, I've only been I've verbally only been negative on it, right. even though there are obvious massive positives to it. The most standout one being the graphics. Yeah. But if I'm gonna do a spoiler cast on it, then I think that's more narrative stuff and story-based stuff, which is where it absolutely drops the ball. For me, that it's the weakest part of the whole game. Um and so like, you know, you have stuff like all these potential threads that I would say Zero Dawn has a lot of narrative weight to it, like whether it's on the individual level, the micro level of Aloy, or the macro level of the, the state of the world, the AIs, the mystery of it, and figuring out all those different things. And they're all fundamentally connected. Like I love that connection of Aloy finding out who she is, all the stuff with Elizabeth Sobek, which fundamentally ties into the state of the world as you literally explore it as a player and as Aloy, yeah. uh, leaving the Nora tribe and figuring out all that stuff and how um, the rules of something like the Nora came to be. It's so much tighter. And, uh, and I said this in the other podcast and stuff, but it's like it needs to then justify this wider law. And so they blow everything out. And it's almost like yeah. they then can't have Silence as the main villain. You know, he can't be the Robotnik to the Sonic because then Lance Reddick's not going to be available and all this wider media they're going to be doing, potentially. Yeah, totally. So it's like, well, we need to like have this wider world that you can then plug little stories in going forward. So we have a six-month gap, and then we have all these things where Silence removes himself from everything, comes back later, um, and frees everything up to just plug little stories in for whatever going forward. But that is to say that it can contrasting like how tight Zero Dawn felt as a narrative and as a, as story beats. There's just nothing here. Like at the very beginning, it's um, again I said on Monday's podcast that you know Aloy finds out that she's a false messiah. That nothing that she did in the at the, at the end of Zero Dawn actually meant anything. But she's still called the savior. They don't do anything with that. Like it's not like she has a, a moment of reckoning or anything. It's not like they have a conversation that's similar to the anointed scene from the first game. Um, and then you've just got all the stuff with the Far Zenith people. Who when you fight them, it's horrible. Like yeah. it's like the first boss fight against one of the Far Zenith um, aliens slash super. You don't. You never find out how they can fly. They can just fly because they're they're very much like the villains from Superman Two. Like they're okay. just you know they're just a, a yeah. set of flying evil Kryptonians, and it's just like okay, that's what we're doing. They're yeah. doing that trope, and they're all disconnected, and they they just they talk like Superman villains. Like they're like a bunch of Zods coming after you. Like it's just it's, really lame. It's. I mean, for me, I like. I like the idea of the Far Zenith uh, like population, and mm. I, I like their design. You know, yes, oh, really? it's not explained, but I thought like the suits look sick. I like the way like the flying is animated. I thought it at least looked cool. I liked mm. that they were powerful, but yeah, they do miss a trick with them because Aloy and her team are essentially the only people who know that they exist. Like no other, yeah. none of the tribes interact with them. None of the tribes really know about this conflict going on. And I thought that was a missed opportunity because, like you said, Aloy is held up as this you know messiah mm. figure, you know, which she definitely rallies against. Mm. And I thought it would have been fascinating to have this population literally descend from the stars. And we know they're human. Aloy knows that they're human. You know, oh, and have everybody react advanced. to that. Yeah. And have everyone react to that. Have have these, um, you know, cultures and these tribes, you know, who, who view these people as gods mm. and see how that changes them. See how that complicates Aloy trying to win over 
these people who don't who no longer view her as the Messiah yeah. because they have seen what they think of as literal gods. Like, but the fact that they're separated literally on their own island and they don't have that interaction with the plot to me is just like there's so much you could have done with them. Yeah, that island. I how did no one see that? <laughs> it's literally from the beach. You can see that it's this massive future. It looks like it literally came from the F five thousand order, yeah. and it's just sitting there and no one talks about it. And when I got there, because the whole time when you start realizing that that's going to be the end game, you have to go to this island, take out the um, base of operations, get the character of Beta back, and whatever. And I was like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go there. We're gonna fly over the over the sea. I'm gonna use a storm wing, whatever it is, storm bird, whatever it's called. I'm gonna go there. No, you just stand on the water, and it's like, well, it's there. Yeah. Like, just how did no one? I just that was such a weird beat. Like, there's a lot of weird beats in this. There are. I mean, yeah. I I know I'm not. Look, I'm I'm definitely not one who you know cries plot hole or gets like really really annoyed <laughs> at sort of inconsistencies or things that aren't explained. Mm. And when it comes to the Farsian population, like I said, you know the fact that they can fly, their powers and stuff. I don't need that explained because that is right. cool. The one thing that did stick out though is that they make a big deal of them being invincible. They have mm. this shield that you can't penetrate, and the, part of the reason why Aloy can't fight them is because she literally can't fight yeah, them. Like, yeah. They are invulnerable and then finally to have this finale they need to be vulnerable mm. but the way that they solve that is silence off screen has a machine it. that he just yeah he just he just <laughs> fixes it he just has this thing they don't tell you what it is why it's important how we managed to solve this and yeah. he throws it out and the shields come down and it's stuff like that where a lot of it felt like this deus ex machina that was coming in because they had to wrap it up and it's like that's interesting the mm. fact that we have this infinite power over our heroes. I want to know how they can overcome that. And mm. the answer here is this. This bloke was off screen and he, he, <laughs> he, he was figuring it out. Don't worry. And that to me is like another thing where it's it's not horrible, but it's certainly wasted It's like script convenience. Yeah. The thing is, I I potentially love, when you first find out that Silence has found their weakness, I love that because they're so intimidating and terrifying and they're so over-the-top powerful and they literally feel like Superman villains. They feel like um, J.K. Simmons' character in Invincible. They're just sort of, you know, they're right. descending down on you. They're going to mash you into a fine paste. You need to dodge everything, get out of the way and find a way out of there, which is what the first boss battle is, even though it's literally the worst boss battle possibly <laughs> in gaming history. That thing is, that thing is terrible. I wouldn't go that far, but it's bad. I would. Oh, my God. I, I, it'll be in a list at some it point in the future. But that's the whole thing. The way this this um, law is built is on specifics and, um, like, literal specifics. Like, it's like this, like, in Zero Dawn, it's like, these are the cauldrons. These make the AI. These are the different places that the machines were built. These are the specific functions that the different um, creatures have. These are the AIs that govern different parts of the environment itself. They thought of everything. It's the way the Mass Effect, you can get lost in the codex. Like, in Horizon, you can get lost in that law. It's all calibrated very, very tightly and neatly and satisfyingly. And in Forbidden West, they kind of go, well, we're going to have a race of people that survived a thousand years and uh, they're going to have, a, they're going to fly. We're not going to explain how that's going to happen. And, um, you know, they're going to do all these different powers, all these different beam weapons. And there's one, one bit where Tilda just does like a flash point yes. thing yeah, 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 yeah. and then transports you and people out of a scene. What is that? Like, <laughs> it's a good point. I didn't, you know, didn't think about it at the moment. Things but... like that are like, well, like the writer needed the person to get out the room. So whatever. But it's, it flies in the face of how tight Zero Dawn is. And I think that they can't have it both ways. You either build your law on specifics, Mass Effect style, and I'm going to ask questions yeah. like, how did this happen? And they, they vaguely try and go, well, they had someone on the ship that it, it went given over enough time, figured out how to live forever. Yeah. And like, it's you kind of do it. But then you also can't then do the silence thing where um, you have to just go with it. And so I like the potential of um, Silence being the guy that figured out how to take them down because it suits his character that he's, he's on top of everything. He's like an evil Batman. I was yeah. like, that's cool. 
Um, but when Aloy gets on board, you kind of need something to satisfy. Um, I don't mind him in this exact instance. I don't mind Silence being the keeper of that secret. But overall, it needs to feel like you've thought it out, and they really haven't. That's it. For me, like, the one differentiator I would have liked, I don't mind Silence being the one who's been off coming up with it. It's kind of what makes him the special villain. Totally. Yeah. But I would have liked to have, a ha- have had a hand in its creation. I would have mm. liked if we teamed up, and he was like, look, I know how to beat it. I'm going to need your help to get this part. I go to this place and mm. find out something more or go to one of the cauldrons or something to get mm-hmm. a piece of tech. Like, that would have just added that extra element of making me feel involved in the story, making Aloy feel more involved in the victory, mm-hmm. and yet yeah, still Silence's idea. It's still his, you know, theory that came up with it or whatever. But you feel satisfied as a player because you're contributing to that battle in that way. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're contributing to the, to the downfall, and it's not just some guy who's come off screen and handed you the victory. Because there's another thing as well is, like, at the end of... Uh, sorry, the beginning of this game, you knew that... And well, the end of Zero Dawn, the beginning of this game, you know that Silence has... Hades. And so they hang so much on him. He broke open Hades and found everything out. And it's just, they have to use that as a retroactive plot device to be like, this is how he's able to keep up with what Aloy finds out. Though Silence didn't interact with um, the Far Zenith people, but he he, he talked to Hades. Hades knew somehow that um, how to take down, you know, this thing that was a thousand years on a different planet. And Hades was the one who knew how to take that stuff down. Yeah. Which I actually didn't mind that stuff. That's when I was still on board with the story because I thought following Silence that early on and especially finding Hades that early on, I thought Mm. was a really cool twist that I didn't expect. I thought Hades, I'd be following, you know, the entire game or whatever. So to have that confrontation with that AI and to get some information Mm. in that cool visual kind of space where he's just like this red blob kind of like... I was so back and forth on that stuff. Really? See, I, I like that stuff. But I didn't mind that so much because... Later on, it's revealed that, you know, the nemesis sent the mm. signal to um, to Hades mm-hmm. to to activate him in, in the first game. And for me, I was kind of like, well, yeah, he would he would know that stuff then. It would know that stuff because you've literally been beamed, essentially, the consciousness of the Far Zeniths. Yeah. So it kind of, for, for me, that made more sense. And that was when I was more on board with it because I was like, where are they going to go with this? And then they kind of uh, didn't go <laughs> in many places with it, but I was excited. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's, there's a middle third of this that I, I've said in the review, I said in the podcast and stuff, it's the middle third that I absolutely loved. And it's like, it's when you get the base together, you've got Catalo, you've got, I think called Alva and, and Val and everyone's back at the base and it feels like this Mass Effect Horizon hybrid yeah. and the combat is coming into its own and you're finding a different play style. That was when it was the strongest to me. This comes back to my theory. Slam that, that water bottle, Josh Brown. Boom! That this game should have just been an RPG because mm. the main story in this game, to me, works like a Bethesda RPG yes. story in that it's quite thin and it's quite interesting, but it's not necessarily the best part of the experience. At least it wasn't for me. You know, no. For me, I love the writing and the side quests and the characters in the side quests mm. much more than what I got in the main quest. So it kind of makes me Give think... Give me political like, mining disputes, mate. I've got, I'm <laughs> exactly. there for them all day long. So it just makes me think, like, if you're already... Like, it's already an RPG. It's already an RPG. Just call it <laughs> extra step. Give us that extra element of choice and customization. And I think the... I think the main plot would have worked a bit more if you had choices. And weirdly, it does throw you one or two choices. Well, one choice in particular uh, with um, Regala's fate. I mean, I don't yes. know if anything changed with this because I chose to kill her. Did you? I chose I to keep her alive. Did so, she stay alive then? Yes. Well, okay. no. So she helps you with the storming of the, oh. the last place. And then she takes on about five or six um, of the, um, whatever those fancy other robots are yeah, called. Yeah, okay. A few of them bear down on her and she says, like, this is the death that I've always wanted. And she goes out swinging. 
I suspected when um, I chose to kill her because uh, Catalo is the one who actually does it if you do it. Like, he spears ah. her and he feels very Can't satisfied. I you killed Regala. Wow, oh, in the moment. It was my girlfriend's fault. She was like, kill her. I'd just kill her. And I was like, I she sound. She was cool. I know. I was like, <laughs> she was cool, but I was just like, no, no, no. Um, so I, I killed her. Fun. He killed her. And then, yeah, I was kind of thinking, like, I wonder if I said um, no and spared her, mm. he would have done that er- anyway. No. But you've obviously said no, but she still dies. So that's interesting that it's you still get... a, an illusion of choice in a way. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And that's one of the only choices in the game that has yeah. any real cutscene carryover. Like, I mean, because, yeah, because then she's at the base. You have everybody saying, can we trust her? I don't know if she should be coming here. Everyone's freaking out that Regala is around. But I love that dynamic. Like, that's one of the yeah. things that I love the most about it, um, especially because of the likes of Catalo and everything, like trying to realize that they can be allies. Well, you know, I kind of want your opinion on this because mm. while the story, the like the, the main story of Gaia and the Fazinus and Nemesis yes. and stuff, to me was somewhat disappointing. Again, I go back to the RPG thing mm. of the stuff that you do along the way, especially with the Tanakh, especially with Regala, yes. to me that's far better executed and far more satisfying to the point where I almost wish that they are doing at the end of this game, they are introducing another world-ending plot. To me, yep. I almost wish that this game was smaller scale and it was you chasing silence, getting into the Tanakh mm. trouble, and then at the end, you realize the world-ending plot. Because I want to know your opinion on this, but when I got to the Nemesis thing, I was just kind of like, I was a bit exhausted because I'm just <laughs> thinking, we've just solved one world-ending calamity to go into another one, and mm. I know that's kind of the point. At the end, everyone's feeling like despair mm. and they have to band together and stuff, but I was just like, it's it's well, on a scale that is just repeating itself. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of beats in this that repeat the same stuff from the first one, like even down to the scene that we'll talk about the Ted Farrow stuff, but even the scene in this where you go to Ted Farrow's tomb is very like in Zero Dawn when you go into the tomb in the mountain and mm. you find out the truth in there and it's almost shot the same way, like of, of her coming back out the, 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 the uh, you know, widely lit room and everything. That feels, that stuff feels quite similar. Another thing as well is, you know, that whole idea of the world ending calamity stuff. For me, like, I, it's it lines up with that one of my favorite things about the first uh, Horizon, which was that conversation on, you know, if you could access, if you were a new civilization, you could access all of old school original humanity's um, experiences, memories, lessons learned, and everything. Would you leave the plans for a nuclear bomb and assume that they would learn to not use them, or have you just given them nuclear? Bo- like, have you just pr- have you just provided the means to yeah. create the next nuclear bomb? That was the most fascinating question in Zero. Done. I loved it. I didn't like how in Forbidden West they doubled down on saying that what Pharaoh did was the absolute worst thing in the world. I'm not necessarily. I wasn't necessarily picking a judgment either way. Okay. I love that they kind of leave it. On. I know he's the villain, yeah. but they do leave it up there a little bit to be like, oh, that's that's an interesting po- like ponderance, let's say. And so their version of it in this is the Nemesis stuff, um, which is the thing where, like I said, it's like this weird AI consciousness made up of all of our hatred. It's literally the internet, basically. It's like a better <laughs> version. It's like the, if the internet came to life, would it kill everybody? Like, <laughs> yeah. And I, I and I like that as a, as a talking point, like. All the data we're putting into this algorithm um, as, a, as a collective, if that thing ever gains sentience, it, would, it, would it realize that humans are the worst thing in the world and would it try and take everybody out? Yeah. That's a brilliant talking point um, or a brilliant concept. And that's uh, assumedly what they'll explore in Horizon 3. I, like, you know, but that was this game's version, almost in the same part of the story of the thing that's in Zero Dawn. And I like that as a talking point. I like that that's the thing that, it, that destroyed the far zenith planet and that's why they're coming here. Um, but like you said, it's, like a, it's a world-ending thing. Wait yeah. till the next time we'll do this stuff and so it's little glimmers of what i think is horizon it's what makes horizon identifiable and i don't like that forbidden west made it 
more um, in light. The fact that we're even remotely talking about it as an Ubisoft adjacent open world game, the fact that that stuff is out there at all, like there's a few different pieces starting to do the rounds, that it's, you know, the last of an outdated model of open world games um, is a big shame because there's a lot of stuff they could have pulled from. Um, and one of the only criticisms or biggest criticisms of Zero Dawn was that they played stuff very safe. Like, um, you know, the, the vision modes from Hitman, you've got like the, the combat model is very Tomb Raider. Like all these things were had been done. And I just think it's a bit of a shame um, that even in that regard, like they have this p- potential to be better, to be higher, yeah. to be more memorable, and they don't really take it. That's it. I mean, I, I would agree. You know, there are so many threads in here that I find really interesting. There's a lot. Of- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Stuff that I think is genuinely well executed, Mm. but there's so much of it, and I just think it gets lost under a lack of kind of focus and a lack of clarity. And that's to me. Focus, eh? Focus. You've got loads of those now. Just hand those boys out. What was that? She's like, oh, I found this thing that literally propelled me, like as Aloy, in front of the rest of the world. I found a cache, and there's like (laughs) eight of them now. You know what? I didn't mind it because I like the idea of your team like getting up to speed and stuff. I think it justified it. But they don't do anything with it. They, which is like the. Bloody, you know, the the, the tagline of this if whole you, game, isn't it? If you became, like, this little miniature version of almost the Avengers, which is what the, the kind of the card they're playing towards the end, that your yeah. team's going in, but you were going up against some elite Regala Tanakh, yeah. but you were out thinking something because you had the battle plan, like the Matrix style, you'd learned this stuff before, that would have been a cool payoff. It would have been. But in, no. They, they also give some of the enemies, the sons of the Prometheus, they're called, mm. the rebel camps, like, they're supposed to have focuses as well, but it, all, it doesn't really change how no. you attack them. Like, they get to override machines, they get some scanning 
dying technology that you know pings you and mm. doesn't let you use your focus and stuff. But it's a bit of a bit of a shame. Going back to what you said there about like the the kind of Avengers thing and building the team. Like I liked a lot of the individual characters, but this links to me with Aloy's lack of arc in this game. At yes. the beginning, they very clearly and absolutely hammer at home that they are building up a theme of her having to learn to work with people. You yes. know, she constantly is going off on her own. She constantly like leaves Val back at the camp so she can uh, <laughs> go on her own to do these missions. She says it's too dangerous. And it, it hits you over the head with the fact that, you know, people are constantly saying, Aloy, you can't do this on your own. Like yeah. it's way too big. And for me, I didn't really like that as a narrative thing. But no. I liked even less that they dropped it. Yep. Like they don't actually develop that after the opening hours. Like you do get your team together, but there's not a moment where, you know, Aloy's um, you know, going out on her own, her solo mentality, her lone wolf mentality mm. becomes like an issue when she kind of learns to overcome it. And I guess in a way they probably didn't want to repeat the end of Zero Dawn mm. where you do, you know, um collect everyone and you know, you win them all over, they come to your aid in the battle and stuff. Mm. But to me it just felt like this kind of false character arc that's abandoned and I was like what happened there because that's fascinating because yeah. you it, it's not something that I'm kind of like grasping at like I'm sure you agree they hit you over the head with do you know so what's really funny saying that. I didn't notice that stuff interesting at all. I, I feel terrible now no no not at all when no no when uh, the first person who brought it up was Ash when we when me you and her were messaging right. each other about like because as as, uh, as the audience won't know when we're playing through uh, Horizon we're messaging each other because Ash was going through for PlayStation Access and we were going back and forth on our different thoughts and stuff and uh, and she said that about like oh they really hit you over the head with this whole Aloy can't be alone thing yeah. but for me I didn't like Val I thought he was annoying I just thought he was this little yes man and oh. I was just like leave dude like oh I don't my need God. I don't need, I, but that, that's the thing I'll protect him at all costs he just annoyed. Me. I was wow. like, leave me alone. Like I don't. I've got. I, I've got this. In the that. words uh, that phrase that I hate in every single. Phrase, I've got this. Like that's this. that's everywhere. My general thoughts were, I'm Aloy. I d I have this so much. Like okay. let me crack on. I don't. I don't want to be babysitting you. I don't. I don't want him. So I actually wanted her to be left alone as soon as possible. <laughs> and so when every time she was saying, look, I, I've, I'm going to go and do this thing. I, I can't take you with me because you're too slow and you're not as advanced as me and everything else. I was going, yeah, great because right. like that's what I want from her. I wanted to be the strongest, most independent woman possible. But I said this in the other podcast, uh, or maybe I said this to you in, in between recordings, I don't like that they hang some of her strength on Rost, which comes later on. Because yeah. I'm investing in Aloy as this like totemic force of you know like she's so powerful. I just I want that as this uh, for her. That's you know and these other things take away from that. Totally, that's a big thing we should pick apart. So mm. yeah, to to kind of repeat what happens. You know, at one point in the game, obviously you encounter Beta, who is another yes. clone of Elizabeth Sobek. However, Beta has been imprisoned by the Fazinas for a long, long time. She's you know mentally um, damaged and scarred mm. from the kind of torture that she's been put through. And when you talk to her, Aloy is actually annoyed because. In her eyes, Beta uh, isn't living up to what Elizabeth Sobek should be. She's not as strong mm. as she thinks she should be. And you get to this moment where they have this heart-to-heart, -heart and Beta kind of uh, says that, you know, like, why are we different? We're, we're literally perfect genetic clones. Like, mm. what's different between you and me? And then, like, Aloy says, she kind of points to Ross. You know, she gets she's so alarmed. She's like, well, I guess it's Ross. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, well, she gets rust up and she's like, "Look, like we're we're the same clones, but it's not just about your genes. It's not just about your genetics. Mm. It's about your environment. Nature, it's about, nature. Like, yeah, the, the the people who mentored you. And Rost was someone who helped teach her stuff. And to me, I totally get your criticism of that. But to me, one of the big things in this game was me struggling to figure out why 
why Aloy in particular was special because so much lip service is paid to Elizabeth Sobeck being mm. this, you know, genius, uh, great. She's like a god person. in this. Yeah, she's literally like a god. Like she deified. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was kind of like, well, that's cool, but it, it sucks for me that if only Aloy's um, strengths come from her genetics and her focus. I'm like, that. I need yep. more than that. I hate the chosen one narrative in um, <laughs> any story. You know, I hate it when someone is destined to be great. Mm-hmm. So I did like that they complicated with that by saying like, look, you know, it's not just about how you were born, who your parents were, who you were cloned mm-hmm. from. It's the people around you. I thought that was a neat... Um, character building moment but at the same time what you're about to say now I also totally think is valid <laughs> well that was her whole thing in Zero Dawn like, I am not your anointed like I yeah. you know I, I carve my own path through this thing um, and it's not that Ross shouldn't play any part in that it was just the way that scene was handled like I said it's almost like she stumbled onto him when trying to find a reason in the moment um, of Beta saying well how are you so different to me as opposed to knowing that inside and out like it was just a weird beat um, in the way that that stuff came together um, would you touch on the Ted Farrow stuff which is for me the biggest missed opportunity in the game um, because they do a whole sequence where you're descending down into you basically you find out that um, the CEO the guy uh, from the original game who caused the entire world to forget its knowledge and everything else and forced humanity to restart um, that you find where he was at the end of of time at the end of the world kind of thing a thousand years ago as it all went sideways and you go down you descend um, and it's it's amidst this whole conversation on elongating life and and elongating the Far Zenith people have obviously mastered it um, but it's all these different you find all these like recordings all these different uh, text logs of um, of Pharaoh living with two other people. I think one of them had uh, been killed. And it was this whole thing um, where it's like, what lengths will he go to to actually cling on to life, even though he chose to delete everything else? And what will his life be if he uses all these these insane experimental drugs to stay alive? And you get to the point where you go to a set of blast doors that you open, and he's still, quote-unquote, alive behind them. But the way the camera is set is that you're looking through the blast doors, and he's to the side. So a character walks in. I think the camera just stays static. Like, a, a person walks in, turns to the side. This person has also built an entire religion around the idea of Ted Farrow. So them seeing them is a huge deal you don't see them the person comes back out the blast door camera hasn't changed and says burn him burn it it's not yeah. good which i like as a comment on if you were like face to face with god like like blade runner style would you actually gouge the eyes out because it's the worst thing ever i don't know but they dance right around that and don't give you the payoff yeah and i was just like no you're gonna have to show me him because we've just we've just spent like all this time like and if you're gonna contrast it to how far zenith got it right yeah i need to see how you got it so wrong i just couldn't believe they didn't do that i agree i think it's one of the biggest missed opportunities in the game and I'm running Josh Brown. No man, I mean look, I'm I'm a huge horror fan, right? And <laughs> when it comes to horror, I'm always of the opinion of, you know, tease it more than show it. You know, Jaws is great because you barely see the shark. Yes. You let your imagination run wild. Here I didn't think they teased it anywhere enough for me to be imagining what horror was behind mm. that door. It didn't work on that psychological level, and especially because you know you've been waiting to see like what Ted Farrow has become, what these mutations are. Like, and can to, he talk? Does he have thoughts? He's been there for a thousand years. Yeah, not to see that and to just have him burned to death off screen. <laughs> for me, this game, um, its game's writing, this game's story has an issue with. Uh, tell don't show yeah like it it, it it loves sitting you down and explaining to you what's going on but like 
with the, you know, cataclysmic storms or whatever, you know, the end of the world, the mm. blight stuff, it very much tells you about it rather than opting to visually show it. You in don't feel it in way. the gameplay. So you don't feel it, yes. Yeah. Like, it's not like at the beginning you're really struggling to get by. Like, yeah. maybe if you didn't play Zero Dawn, you might die to some of the machines, but I, I barely died in this game. Like, it was, I mean, and I die a lot in games. Like, at least as I'm finding playing Sifu. It's funny you should say that. Go not on. to make this, you know, more about the combat stuff, but <laughs> I actually found, I think I told you in the first podcast we did, but I found it, like, way harder. Really? Dawn. I've seen people say that, but I, I went like the, the night I went back to Zero Dawn. I was playing that on hard and absolutely trouncing everyone. Mm. And then I started this one on hard, thinking it was going to be the same thing, and I just got like wrecked over <laughs> and over again. I had to knock it down. Oh, okay, I mean, for my thing, it was the only thing that I really, really don't like in the combat space is that you the, you get asked to scan stuff all the time, um, especially when you're up against bosses. That final Tilda fight mm -hmm. um, is nigh on broken because it's just she just charges you over and over again. Sometimes she'll stop. But, like, Aloy's like, I should scan that for weaknesses. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to, Aloy. But, like, I can't. She's in my face all the time. I can't get any of the scans off, mate. I was so astonishingly overpowered during that scene. <laughs> you just one-shot uh, That I was just hitting her, hitting her with acid rounds to the point where it was right. just almost comical. Because I, I was I was playing it for review. So, like, I got to that final fight with, like, minimal upgrades. Right. Um, and I didn't have that much ammo left either. So it was just, like, a, bit, a few bits of ammo. Put some traps down. When you fight that giant creature in the last cauldron, the big spine, whatever it's called. Oh, spine yes, thing, yes, yes. The spine Sliver or something, and um, that thing I was completely out of ammo. I had one <laughs> blast trap left, and that was what killed it. Wow. Otherwise, I wouldn't have. I don't know how I would have got through it. Um, but it was just yeah, we're fighting Tilda at the very end. That was one of those things where it was. That's my problem with the combat is that it, that combat breaks if anything gets in your face because okay. the time doesn't slow when you scan, which is just. I wish it just slowed down like when you have the weapon wheel yeah. open. Um, I wish you had time to scan, but that was what also made me get think it was easy. Um, like every other encounter other than the final one because it's just scan, that thing's detachable, that thing's a chain reaction, that mm -hmm. thing's going to tear off. Okay, toggle them, right, aim for the purple bits, done. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree, but I would also say that, that's, that's very satisfying. It's very satisfying oh, no, 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 It's not that it's not like, satisfying in the moment, but that was just what I did for everything, totally. and that was how I got through every single fight. I don't know how much time we have left, but... Non-Josh Brown. <laughs> I want to ask you one thing. <laughs> yes. Listen, we're actually recording this over five. We can go on I know, right? That's, that's want, the thing, But, yeah. you know, we, it's fine. Uh, I want to ask you about... Tilda, you mentioned Tilda there, yes. is a boss fight, but what did you think of her as a character and the twist that she was actually, essentially, the not the main villain, mm. but she wasn't working with you or keeping you informed in the way that you initially think? Well, I do, I, that's the thing. The thing that I love the most about Horizon is that idea of a super, either a super advanced society or some future society looking back on what we have now. I like anything in any um, narrative, any piece of art that lets me reappreciate or, or reconsider what we have now. So I like the fact that even though she went and lived a thousand years on a different planet, she was still finding infinite beauty in pieces of art that have existed yeah. in human history and out in you know, the last sort of couple of hundred years. And I love that she'd made that little gallery um, that you could wander around. I did all the, I did all the button prompts for that. I love yeah, that they recreated the, the pieces of uh, art and paintings and everything. Um, and I thought that scene when you sit down with her and have the really elegant uh, tea party thing with her was really well done. But things like that, they're jarring because I'm like, how did no one find this? Like, how did no one see this? And I'm like, I, do, I couldn't get a handle on her powers in that scene because, or, or at all, because like she's just done that flashbang thing against the other guys who are all ostensibly super heroic Kryptonians anyway. And then she flash stuns them. She flies you out. And then she, like, does she magic up a table and a different room? She says she's been living there for a little bit. Yeah. But I'm like, in time frame wise, were you not with the people? Like, why are you separate? I just, that stuff threw me off a bit. And I, I like her voice delivery. She's Carrie Ann Moss, I think. Yeah. And um, I thought she was, like, solid enough. I never fully trusted her. And I thought that right. the way that they tried to do 
kind of like the standard, um, you know, super rich person has incredibly deluxe place that the character wanders into. We've we've seen that trope a million times. So I was, I don't know, it it kind of worked and it kind of didn't. It, to go back to your point about it being kind of like, you know, strange that she had this kind of like situation. Mm. I, for me, you know, it might not be a great reason, but they did kind of like touch upon that. I think she says like it was built to withstand anything. That's why it's one of the few buildings kind of yeah. still there. So the kind of idea I got was that it was just sort of untouched while she came back to Earth. And then oh, she yeah. Like as, straight back into as like a wider shell, sure. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of like, you've got like really pristine teapots and right. stuff like that. I'm like, did you bring them from the ship that you came? Like, right, okay. I was, I'm on that level with this because <laughs> like, it, like I said, they, they consider every Everything elsewhere. Yeah. So I'm going to ask those questions. Like, if you have a pristine, like, forks and knives and a tea set and some fresh fruit, how? How have you got that? Did those you magic it up? Like, I don't know. Well, questions I did not ask. But I like <laughs> that someone is asking them. When it comes to her character in particular, though, I thought she was one of the highlights <clears throat> of the story. Like you said, I think, you know, she's performed really well. I think mm. pretty sure it is Carrie Atmos. You know, yeah. I think the, the voice acting is really good. You know, it's, it's warm, but also you have this kind of, like, level of mystique and, uh, you know, cold elegance to it. I absolutely way, love with each other. Her talking to silence. That was, yeah, that's my yeah, favorite yeah. exchange in the game. I thought, you know, that scene where you do sit down with her and she kind of like explains everything was mm. like really fascinating, really well shot. I do think it kind of stumbles because if you notice, if you do every dialogue thing, like she always, she's always standing up. Like the, 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 whoever like directed that scene clearly knew that having an extended conversation between two people at a table was going to get boring. So right. every time you ask her a question, she stands up <laughs> and she looks around and she sits back down and then you ask her something else. She's she got to do something. Up. Very minor nitpick. I love that really you noticed that and not the... <laughs> how, why are we even here? Like, just, yeah, it's <laughs> classic, isn't it? It's the things we know. That, to me, though, isn't really important. But mm. I did think that her character was one of the best anchors in that kind of, like, final act. I genuinely didn't see her kind of, like, heel turn coming, but I mm. thought that it was believable in a way that the other Farzinas were just kind of, like, comic book evil characters. You know, you get that excellent moment, in my opinion, mm. where she explains her... Rel- relationship with Elizabeth Sobeck and how they kind of like used to run into each other in meetings and stuff. They eventually became lovers. Eventually Elizabeth kind of moved on. Mm. One of her biggest regrets was leaving Earth Mm. without getting Liz along and this is kind of her second chance. Yeah, I didn't buy that she would still care after a thousand years. Really? A thousand years. Oh, mate, you're not romantic enough, that's why. But like, look, I just... A thousand years, like, yeah. and she—the whole—the whole point of the Farzinath people is that it's a version of humanity that's experienced the absolute excesses of the human consciousness as much as possible, yeah. to the point where they bounced back off and settled back down, and then came back to Earth. I don't like ten years is enough to forget someone. <laughs> that's I just brutal. That's what it is. Maybe she made that's what that whole thing about deifying Elizabeth Sobek. If you're around her a thousand years ago, you can't possibly forget the yeah. amazing Elizabeth Sobek. Whereas in Zero Dawn, she was just a cool scientist. She like figured some stuff out. She wasn't this unbelievably magnetic. Force, this celebrity, this this Jesus Messiah figure that would stay with you for a thousand years. Listen, right, I I, I get that, but I didn't even view it as a sort of uh, Elizabeth Sobek as a Messiah figure. I just mm. kind of viewed it as as someone who was like deeply in love with her. Didn't get that reciprocated, and like you said, to me, the the idea of these people, you know, going away for a thousand years, experiencing all this stuff. Mm. That, to me, actually only added to the impact of her remembering her. Because I was like, yes, she's gone through all of that. Yeah. But she's still thinking about this um, scientist. Because they talk about, like... years ago. I thought, that was, I thought that was cool. It is. It should have been really sweet. I just, like I said, my brain in that scene was, how is any of this stuff here? So when they were, like... I, I, I was just questioning all of it. And then I was like, a thousand years have passed. But you're still remembering... You're still talking as if you just talked to this person, like, a few months ago or years ago. Or someone that was a childhood friend or something. But it's a thousand years. And I was just like, I just didn't buy it. I know what you mean. That, it, if anything, it reinforces how much Elizabeth meant. 
which is what they want from that scene, but it just felt a bit too tagged on. I also think in regards to Tilda, she shouldn't have been in the trailer. Um, I don't know if you saw the trailer or not, but that bit where, you know, like the funnily meeting is enough, in the trailer. Yeah, like, like funnily enough, I didn't, um, I like completely forgot about it. Uh, mm before I started playing it, then I got to the scene and I was like, holy crap, they showed this in the trailer. Yes. Like, that's a, such a big moment. Well, as soon as, like, in one of those early trailers, uh, the first time they showed, um, the first time they showed Tilda at all and she's in that, like, bright white fancy costume thing, like, I started thinking, well, I bet that's some sort of futuristic person that's come back. And so when the start right. of the game is like, well, the Odyssey left and we don't know what happened. Well, it's clearly that. Right. Like, I mean, that's a marketing problem, but still. One final thing before we go. Yes. I want to make it clear that I have one major gripe above all else <laughs> about this game. Yes. And that's that you don't get a far zenith outfit at the end. You I take know. over the base. Give me one of Tilda's spares. It looks so sick. I want it. I want Aloy to have it. I thought that that because I love that. I thought it would be the Horizon version of that really cool futuristic costume you can get in Control, where it's ah, like it's yeah. kind of got like some cool tail bits on it, yeah. tail feathers. It looks really cool. I yeah. So I thought they, tether, tethers, whatever, whatever they are, flaily bits. I thought they would have that. You know, their version, the Forbidden West version of that really cool costume you can get in Zero Dawn if you collect yeah. all those components. Um, which looks really, it's got like repulsors all over it. Like apparently there's nothing in Forbidden West that's on that level. Like I said, I, you know, I've got, I've got the platinum. I've done mm. most of those side missions that reward you with that stuff. I've done the armor mission that should have rewarded you with the good armor. It really should. And the one you get sucks. The one you get is not <laughs> as good as the, there's some good armor pieces in here. Right. Don't get don't get me wrong, but like the, the main end game armor is not as good as the one that was in Zero Dawn. I love the Tanakh armor, but most of the armor that I got was armor that I got in Zero Dawn. Like it was like. Ah, I couldn't, rem- I couldn't yeah. remember that. Like, I got, like, you, get, like, you can get the Nora stuff again. Like you get, um, I forget what you call the piece that has the massive headdress on the front of it. Mm-hmm. But I know that there obviously are new pieces out there. Yeah. There's just overall, there's a feeling with this game. If I round up my, I mean, we'll be talking about it for the rest of the year. <laughs> but still, my overall thoughts were being quite underwhelmed, and it, it, it right. is just that feeling. And I know that we've we've just spent 40 minutes talking about the negatives of it. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's it's the thing that is next level about it is the presentation and the graphics and and how much they polished the Zero Dawn formula. Um, but everything else, I think, doesn't get up there. I I have some agreements with you there, but for mm. me, the thing is that, you know, I've, I've said before, you know, I'm, I'm, I wasn't as huge a fan of the story of Zero Dawn as you was. Mm. Uh, you was? You were. I wasn't that invested. So to me, here, that wasn't the thing I was mainly looking for. And to me, the story was almost secondary to the gameplay and mm. the exploration and the side missions and the, like, you know, like the stuff you're doing with the Tanakh yes. along the way. So for me, I, I, I agree that the story is a missed opportunity, but I don't put the same focus on it. So I, I would still recommend it alongside that because, like, I don't think it's enough to drive the, thing the game. The thing that's crazy is that they open on a story scene. They open on an epilogue for Zero Dawn. They give you all the Meridian stuff, the Sun King stuff. Hey, look, here's this really important linear-style story beat that we want you to take forward, go to the embassy to figure out all this stuff. But the strengths of the game are in ignoring all that stuff. Like, you got way more out... Well, not necessarily more out of it, but you had a lot of fun immediately by just going into the open-world stuff and getting mm. lost in that. And like you said, the side mission writing is stronger overall um, and more satisfying than the beats of the story are. So it's just a weird hybrid thing. It's like PlayStation Studio says that you should have a meaningful single-player story, but they also want to expand it and go wider because it's it's now the Horizon IP and all these different things, and they're trying these wider RPG systems. But it's just it feels like it's trying almost two divergent paths. It's like you should be bolted to the story and do that stuff, or you should get lost in the open world. Yeah. And Zero Dawn, like I just think they meshed that better. There was a reason why um, Aloy, um, you know, Lunar Narrative Dissonance style, was okay getting lost in the open world because she was exploring the world. Here, she has to save the world and everything's melting. So why is she doing anything <laughs> other? 
<laughs> than chasing down that story. It doesn't make sense. I know what you mean. But what I love more, Scotty, is that about 15 minutes ago, I asked how long I had done this <laughs> podcast left, and you said, not at all. And here we still are. We could literally talk about this all day, and I hope, I just hope, right, I hope that people enjoy this discussion because, you know, I feel like, you know, you're going to love it as much as you, as much as you want. I, I love that people love it, but I feel like, you know, Talking about a story in this way is good. Yep. And we haven't been able to do it in a long time in, no. with this much depth. So I like that the stuff that we loved, I like that the stuff that we could pick apart and criticize. And I hope, uh, like I said, I hope people enjoy this. And I want to know also their thoughts on it because, yes. you know, I, I only know you. And Ash <laughs> is like the big Horizon kind of like big, big fans. Uh-huh. So I want to know how this hit for people like you who are also in tr- like just in it for yes. five years. The thing is, like, yeah, I'm very, very curious how things roll out. The only, like, I'm seeing a lot of people going, oh, my God, the graphics. And I second that. Like, it is arguably one of the, if not the best-looking game of all time. In sheer, oh, my God, that looks gorgeous rendering. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's just being shared justifiably. But, I, yeah, I'm curious. As more people get through it and more people see the story beats and see things like the Ted Farrow stuff and the way silence is not used and et cetera and hit the ending point and kind of go, oh, okay, come back later for part three, I guess. Um, whether that shifts the overall thoughts on it. Like right now it's in that zone of, oh my oh my God, it looks gorgeous and look what the PS5 can do and whatever. And so yeah, I'm curious how things go. I just think that it's incredibly recommendable, like you said. Um, everybody should play it if they have a PlayStation. You just literally should get stuck into is stuck into it. But as a package, I think it's still a great addendum to Zero Dawn, but it feels like an addendum. It feels like Zero Dawn is the, the meatiest part of this yeah. so far. I guess my kind of like summation of it, even though I've done a summation like five times already, <laughs> is that it feels like a middle part. You know. Yes, in but but not in a great way. No, <laughs> not not in like a where we're expanding everything outwards, diamond wise, to come back in for the finale. It just feels like here's a bunch of things, yeah. kind of a bit more of a continuation of this, kind of a whole bunch of new things. Um, but yeah, like I said, we'll be talking about this for the rest of time, but especially for the rest of this year. Come find us on social media. Let us know what you think of Horizon Forbidden West. Um, but stay away from the spoilers in a public forum because we're from the we'll, we'll probably be the first spoiler podcast to Maybe. dive into this stuff. I'm not sure. Um, because we've got to do something before Elden Ring kicks the door down, which is happening in. <laughs> 48 hours. Just breathe it down my neck, man. Fire it's, breath down the neck. I, I'm, I'm going to get thwomped. I'm going to get destroyed. <laughs> I'm going to get absolutely flattened. But for now, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye, Scott Tilford. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.